This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to The Godless Revolution. Today is Sunday, January 17th. This is episode 316. I'm Dan Ellis, joined via remote, technologically advanced (laughs) connection to... (laughs) Ryan Duffy, the soon-to-be one and only... The soon to be one and only. Oh yeah. Why would it be soon to? What are you? Are you a Ryan Duffy Jr. Uh, bent on patricide? No. Well, I uh, I might have to take a leave of absence from the show to go do a world traveling. Say what now? Yeah, yeah. So according to Ollie Olson, uh huh. I am not the one and only Ryan Duffy. Okay. And apparently, I said that if there are others, I will uh, meet them in combat. (laughs) And as we know, there can be only one. Right. So uh, he put out on our uh, God's Revolution page a screenshot of a list of Ryan Duffy's who apparently I have to go take out. (laughs) I see see one's in the United Kingdom, one's in Australia, one's in uh, Victoria. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go on a world trip. And uh, start doing, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat type shit. Oh. Yeah. So okay. I might be gone for a little bit. I have to go around the world and kill every other Ryan Duffy there is. So that way there can be only one. <laughs> I'll be the one and only. <laughs> and you're assuming, of course, that you will win all of these battles. Yeah. <laughs> i'll be back i'll be back i like i like that there was like no no hesitation no equivocation nothing it was just yeah i'm gonna win i'm gonna win yeah. every yeah, one of these worry, hand-to-hand Ollie, combat battles yeah uh, ollie wanted me to let him know when the combat will commence uh it'll be <laughs> shortly I'll, I'll start getting airfare figured out to uh travel around the world and uh take out the other ryan duffy's although the, the ryan duffy in australia in this photograph uh-huh it looks like he's wearing a Batman outfit, so he looks a little scary. He's also bald, has a beard, but he looks like he's wearing a Batman suit. So he's so bald he man. A little, yeah, he might be a little tough. I'm bald man. Well, you're bald man also. So I am, but he's got a beard, but I got a cool mustache, <laughs> but he's got a Batman outfit. So, <laughs> so are you, are you breaking these down, down like in your inventory of strengths and weaknesses yeah, <laughs> between each gotta, other? You got to make that list. I mean, the Ryan Duffy <laughs> in the United in Manchester, uh-huh. he looks like he's standing in a vineyard. I can take him. He's, he's a wine guy. I'm a whiskey guy. <laughs> he's a wine wimp and you're a, a whiskey. Yeah. What would it, whiskey whip asser? Yeah, of course, but he does work at the Tameside Hospital, so he might know some medical skills, so he can probably, like, regen really quick. Uh. (sighs) It's going to be hard, but I'll do it. Uh Just for you, Ollie, I'll make sure I I engage in this combat and become the only one. 
The one and only. The one Duffy. and only. I see. Yeah, you you had warned me that your opener would confuse me a little bit, and I appreciate you for doing that because... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I figured it would confuse you. <laughs> Dan had no clue I was going to say this. Indeed, indeed, it did confuse me. <laughs> good, to, good to hear from you and uh, to, to hear of your interesting plans for... Yeah. For Duffy domination. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what what else have you been doing? Uh, well, I, if, if I sound different, it's because I moved my computer stuff into a different room of the house, which I don't think makes a big difference. Not a huge difference, no. No. At least yeah, not in been, the audio, uh, anyway. Yeah, we just been uh, the last couple of days rearranging stuff in the house because Sarah learned she'll be working from home from now on. Forevers? So, Forevers. Like, uh, so you, you had mentioned that to me before we started recording and, and I just said, I just, yeah, sanded you, uh, but what, so have they just decided that they will have all of their employees work remotely? I don't know if all of them, uh, but her job, she has the ability to, you know, more efficiently work from home. Mm -hmm. So her office was in the spare bedroom when she started working from home. Mm Mm-hmm. And when she would sporadically work from home before COVID hit, uh, but we decided to take that room instead of that being a spare bedroom and her office, just make it purely dedicated to being an office for her. Awesome. So we've been, we've been cleaning some stuff out of other rooms. That was just junk that literally we moved into this house three years ago and I haven't touched since. Yeah. So let's get rid of it. Yeah. I started uh, or not started, but have continued and maybe accelerated uh, the moving of shit from, I still have just piles and piles of shit on our dining room table from when I did the stairs and, yeah. uh, that's unacceptable well. <laughs> because like, I need to, I need to get that shit out of there. It's just been there forever. And I think, yeah. you know, now that we can see a light at the end of this dark, long tunnel of COVID isolation, I understand that eventually we will have people at our house again one day yeah. in the in the not too distant future. So yeah, we're 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 moving stuff around the house, and I have been doing a lot of that over the weekend. Um, so that's good. Uh, there is, oh my god, just so much, right? So uh, first, I want to relay just kind of a funny little story. Uh, so longtime listeners of the show. Uh, will hopefully remember. I'm sure they will remember when we had uh, Callie and Caitlin on the show. Uh, uh, I remember a lesbian awesome. couple that I am very close friends with. Uh, they're two of my favorite people on the face of the planet. Uh, they're just amazing, incredible, awesome, fantastic, fun, sweet, caring, loving individuals that I like to spend time with. And uh, so a while back I had, ordered sushi for dinner and posted a picture of it out to Facebook and Callie responded just, I I think she sent me a personal text the next day with a picture that said, you know, I saw your post about sushi and that inspired Caitlin and I to order some sushi also. And she sent a picture of their dinner and I thought, Oh, that was very cool. Uh, Of course, months and months go by and we (laughs) haven't had sushi for quite a while. And uh, one of the silly Christmas presents that I got for Tracy this year was a set of uh, their, they are light up LED light um, chopsticks, but they are 
in the shape of like lightsabers because oh. <laughs> she's a Star Wars and Star and Star Trek geek. And so I got these light up plastic chopsticks and you can change the color of light. So it, you know, represents different lightsabers in the Star Wars canon. And I was like, oh, well, we should get some sushi for dinner. So we ordered sushi and uh, that was that. And which was fun. And it's kind of aside from the story I'm trying to tell here anyway. But anyway, so I <laughs> recently posted, I'm giving you some background here so you can understand what happened your, to me. Your embarrassing mistake. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so Tracy made t- uh, chicken tikka masala for dinner the other night. And I posted about that out on Facebook recently. I posted a photo of it to which Callie, my, my lovely lesbian friend posted a comment that said, we had that on Wednesday night. It was yummy. And I thought, Oh, nice. You know, they, I didn't know that they were doing the hello fresh and she'd already tried this. And then it made me think, Oh yeah. Well, last time we had sushi, they had sushi. And so then when I, you know, after making this post, I believe it was the next day or the day after, uh, we, we ordered sushi for, you know, to, to have yeah. somebody deliver uh, it to the house. A fishy dish. And it was fantastic. It was, it was lovely. It was very good sushi. I like sushi. Anyway, uh, so Callie said, we had that on Wednesday night. It was yummy. And that made me think about the previous time I had posted about having sushi on Facebook and that Callie had responded. And so I respond to Callie's comment and say, Callie, we had sushi on Wednesday, and I thought about you guys while we were eating it. And then Tracy and I went downstairs and started watching our shows and everything was fine. And just before we went to go to bed, I looked at my phone to see if I had any notifications. And I saw that another one of my close and dear and wonderful loving friends, uh, Brig, had laugh reacted to my comment. And I thought that was weird and bizarre (laughs) and couldn't quite think about why he had done it. And then I read my comment again where I wrote, we had sushi on Wednesday and I thought about you guys while we were eating it. (laughs) Context. And then the light bulb in my head clicked (laughs) about why Brig would have laugh reacted to that comment because without all of the underlying context, it's me telling my dear lesbian friend that I thought about her and her wife while I was eating sushi, <laughs> which is it's it. That's problematic on so many different levels. So I just, I was horribly, horribly embarrassed and laughed until I cried. And my, my belly, like my whole body was sore because I couldn't stop laughing at how just, how how naive I had been when I posted this comment and that Brig just laugh reacted to it. It just, uh, it uh, tickled my funny bone. I couldn't stop laughing all night long. And over the, you know, the days that followed, anytime I thought about it, I would just be thrown into a giggle fit as I am wont to do on occasion. But it just, it was so fucking hilarious to me. When it happened, and then I felt bad, and I'm horribly embarrassed. So, uh, yeah. So, the hardest I have laughed over the last year, and the most embarrassed <laughs> I have been over the last year, all happened during one event on Facebook. Uh, uh, but, yeah. 
that that also happened in a week in which we saw so uh, much shit. So much shit. We saw Republicans who, you know, stop the steal Republicans try to steal an election. The what would Jesus do crowd brought guns, bombs and built gallows outside the uh, Capitol complex. The fake news people believe literally 100% false, insane conspiracy theories. And the Blue Lives Matter people beat a cop to death on the – when they were rioting at the Capitol, we saw uh, passengers harass several different prominent lawmakers, including Mitt Romney and Lindsey Gray Lady Graham or Lady Gray Graham and those – some of those people were consequently placed on a no-fly list along with some of their cohorts who rioted at the Capitol. You know what surprised me about that the most? Huh. That they weren't, like, usually like an athlete or a celebrity or whatever. They don't walk through the normal concourse. Mm-hmm. They go to, like, the VIP area. Mm-hmm. I figured politicians would be doing the same. Sometimes. Sometimes they do. Um but- and you well, know a lot of that is is it depends on the airline and airport so it happens some places not others i was just surprised especially with like lindsey graham seeing him just walking right to the terminal just being fucking harassed the whole time oh yeah ringed by his security detail who was then ringed yeah. on the outside of that by a bunch of people who were harassing him uh we also saw that donald trump has told his staff to stop paying rudy giuliani which is Fucking crazy. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse partied with the Proud Boys and flashed a white power sign while getting drunk. With his and he's m- underage. With his mother there. At uh, 19. Parlor. 18. Parlor was shut down, which was fun and amazing. So. A disgruntled employee at the State Department put uh, or updated the website to say that Donald Trump and Mike Pence's terms had ended prematurely. Which was funny. And Donald Trump became the first president in the history of the United States, our more than our almost 250 year history to be impeached twice. And that vote was supported by 10 Republicans. So much winning the largest, which, which makes his impeachment, his second impeachment, the most bipartisan impeachment in the history of the United States as well. Yeah. Uh, he, he earned uh, 222, I'm sorry, 232 electoral votes, which were also the same number of votes cast to impeach him. Steny Hoyer delivered a fantastic oration on the floor of Congress during the impeachment trial where he delivered my favorite line of any speaker during that time, which was that we should reject, re- we should reject deceit, reject fear mongering, reject sedition, tyranny and insurrection. Reject the demand for fealty to one man over field, over fidelity to one's country. Uh, I, I think he his speech was was a tour de force in in great oration. It was just it was a fantastic speech. Everybody should go out and look at it, watch it, learn it. It was awesome, fantastic. I was watching as much of that stuff as I could while still being at work, having to do stuff. So every once in a while at work, I was just had an earpiece in my ear listening to the. Uh People give their speeches. Yeah, it was all so, so good. There were those news stories and more that we will try to cover at least a few of them when we get yeah. back from this little break. This is Callie. Just remember, love is love. Support your local lesbians. You're listening to The Godless Revolution. 
Space and luxury, a somewhat awkward marriage, but then isn't every marriage. I know mine was. With comms down, we can't talk to Earth, but we can still swim like a mermaid, gamble like a gangster, eat like a beast. Some food flavorings may not be available. And spend hours marveling at our illuminated circle of turns. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, so the events over the last week have have been numerous and plentiful. Uh, there's, there's, been yeah. a, there's been a whole lot going on, of course, as, as every week under the Trump regime has proven to be. It's difficult to decide what we're going to talk about uh, from show to show. Um, but I thought it was important that we talk about some of the violence that occurred on Capitol grounds from some of these deluded Trump supporters yeah. uh, who. Which, which also, as the days go on, we are learning more and more about like we thought it was bad when it was happening. Mm-hmm. It's coming out to be worse than we actually initially thought. Oh yeah. And so much more terrifying for the people involved who were not parts of the mob. And even for some people who were parts of the mob because yeah. they were reckless and stupid and ended up trampling one of their own, one of the people who had gone there, you know, as part of this riotous mob, got trampled to death yeah. because these people are just so blinded by their hatred for everything that is not sucking Donald Trump's dick. Um, there was this interview with officer Mike Fanone of the Washington DC Metro police force. Um, he's one of the officers who was, you know, you've seen a lot of the footage of him being beaten, uh, you yeah. know, dragged down the steps and beaten at the Capitol. And, there's this longish interview of, uh, with him that I wanted to spend some time listening to some of his thoughts, uh, surrounding what happened because I think it just gives us a really good accounting of, of his thoughts and, and what happened there on the ground. What were you going to say? I was going to say this, like to, to preface this, cause we're not going to play the whole thing. Cause it's almost, it's 13 minutes long. Right. Um, but at the beginning of the interview, he talks about how he's a narcotics officer and he literally had to go take the plastic off of this uniform to show up there that day. So he didn't even have to be there. He showed up to the Capitol because he probably felt a duty to act and to help his other officers there to oh, help yeah. repel what was going on. Yeah, uh, this wasn't part of his normal job. This wasn't his assignment. Yeah, and uh, they were they were called in as backup. And and part of yeah. the video before you know, part of the interview that happens before the the section that we're going to be listening to listening to specifically, he mentions that you know they were there as a support and backup role, and they were asking for you know, hey, who here is tired and needs a break? You know, who who is exhausted and needs to be pulled off the front line so that we can replace them. And it was interesting to me that he said that nobody volunteered, but there were other people saying, you know, this guy has been out here for hours and hours and is clearly exhausted. We need to, you know, put someone in his place, give him a break because he's just at, at the end. Like nobody, nobody felt 
that they should leave because there were just so many people there. They knew that how outnumbered they were and how yeah. important and vital their presence was to repel this horde of credulous dumb fucks. And so they knew that anybody who wasn't available right then could lead to the entire capital being overrun. And they were very reluctant to leave any post. Um, and it was just interesting to me that, you know, nobody really volunteered themselves. It was other people there who were like, this guy's been out here for hours pushing on people and, and being pushed and beaten and sprayed with mace and tased. He needs a break. He needs a break, you know? Yeah. Because this wasn't, this wasn't just a half hour or one hour thing. This was, this was an all day event, basically. I mean, it went on for hours and hours with thousands of angry dumb fucks trying to force their way into the Capitol being repelled by, you know, a handful, comparatively speaking, of officers. And some of the, some of the, apparently some of the Capitol police may have also aided and abetted the rioters yeah. there are fuck. yeah i think last time i heard there were 17 officers of the capitol police force who have been suspended and are under investigation um because it has become apparent that perhaps some of them were not only sympathizers but actively worked with some of these people as they were storming the capitol which is in fucking excusable so there's there's obviously there were bad actors yeah. And there are people who acted valiantly throughout this, like, like this officer. Yeah. And officer Mike Fanone is one of those who acted valiantly. Um, we're going to pick this up in the part of the interview where he's asked about, you know, everything that led up to him being grabbed and pulled down the steps and, and being beaten on and his thoughts around that. So with that all out of the way, let's get to the audio here. Guys were like, grabbing gear off my vest and they ripped my badge from me and people were trying to grab my gun and they grabbed, you know, my ammunition magazines. And, uh, so I remember like trying to retain my gun. I remember guys chanting, like kill him with his own gun. Um, so like, yeah, I was tased, uh, I think about a half dozen times on the back of my neck. Holy shit. Yeah. Being tased a half dozen times while trying to fight off this mob who are trying to get his gun. They're trying to strip all of, all of his gear off of him. They're attacking him. They're beating him. He's trying to keep them out of the Capitol and they're tasing him. Uh, I correct me if I'm wrong or if you know any differently, but I think he had a mild heart attack while this was all going on or was that a different officer? Well, that, that, that was this officer. He did suffer a heart attack when this was going on. And I'm not going to make any draw conclusions or speculate, but I will say that I'm assuming that those being tased multiple times is what led him to actually have that heart attack. Oh, yeah. While he's getting the shit beat out of him. Yeah. Jesus. That I can't imagine being in that situation, just, just how terrifying that would be. And I mean, I, I guess I can imagine a little bit, I, I, I can't, I can't fully understand what it would be like to be there because I've never been in a situation. I've been in s- slightly similar situations back in my intemperate youth when I would do a lot of really stupid shit and get in fights quite a bit, but I, I can't, 
I can't imagine being surrounded by literally thousands of people who then are trying to strip off all of my protective gear and are, you know, basically trying to beat me to death. Yeah. And I mean, I spend time in countries where I've had a thought of, am I in a safe situation right now or not? Mm-hmm. And but, that, it's, a, it's a shitty fucking position to find yourself in. But I've never had to really fight for my life. Yeah. In any of those situations, I've always been well protected. Thankfully. So yeah, let's see, yeah. What, see what else he says here. Um, that sucked. <laughs> Being taste sucked. I thought about that. Uh, when the guy started, when, when people started grabbing for my gun, like I remember trying to retain it and, uh, I did, the thought did cross my mind. Like, okay, like people are trying to kill you and I think that this has crossed the threshold of you, you know, defending yourself. Um, I thought about killing people and, uh, I just, I, man, the, the thought of having the thought go through your mind of, I might have to fucking kill people. Yeah. So I want to, I want to touch on that, that right there real quick. Yeah. Because like I told you, I, I know I work with a person that just got activated and is in Washington DC right now. Mm-hmm. So it's not really like, too much information out there. He's already there. It was on the news. Uh, so no OPSEC type shit. Yeah. And we were talking and he's like, it's like, it's a different mentality now. Like we're being sent there and being armed to possibly have to kill Americans. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you make that decision to pull the trigger on your own countrymen? Like people that you are supposed to be protecting but now are forcing your hand to possibly have to kill them like the mind fuck going on there it's easier to deal with that mind fuck when you're going to a foreign country but when you're being deployed to your own country mm-hmm. and being armed like you're on a deployment it's that mind fuck of like can i pull the trigger on someone from my own country like yeah, it's fucking yeah. terrifying. There are more United States troops currently deployed to defend our nation's capital than there are in Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, and Somalia combined. Yeah. Just Last at our I nation's capital. We we're trying to have 25,000 activated National Guard troops all armed in Washington, D.C. alone. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, that's just our nation's capital. That doesn't include the thousands of other troops who were deployed at state capitals across the country. Yeah. All because of one fucking asshole in the White House. And well, and of course, all of his supporters, but he's the one who has stirred all of this up and has kept it going for months now to the point where we have to deploy troops on American soil to defend against other Americans. Yeah. It's fucking nuts, man. And terrifying. If anybody says, well, that's not my country, that's not the way we operate. Like, no, this is your country. This is the way it is right now. Yeah, this is absolutely our country, and this is absolutely who we are. To say otherwise is, is to live in an alternate reality. Like this it's is a little ignorant. Like, yeah, this is the this is the place we've gotten to with this president. Yeah, that is that is something that is going on in this country right now. Something that we all need to be aware of, and something that we can't or should not try to hide from or run away from by saying that I, this isn't who we are or 
you know, individuals saying that this isn't who I am. I, I made the comment to somebody at work that I was in, um, you know, I was in Iraq during their first vote when they got to do their first democratic vote. And I was like, right now, Washington DC looks more armed than fucking Iraq did when they're having their citizens do their first vote. Yeah. And there's a shit ton of security for that. Yeah. And so, so, you know, you saying that, you know, this isn't who we are. Um, I started typing up something that I might as well just kind of get it out of the way now, but I'm really tired of hearing people say, this isn't who I am after they're caught out saying or doing something that's racist, misogynist, fascist, or all of the above, right? That their, yeah. their, their exclamation, their, their racist or misogynist tirade or exclamation isn't who they are. That's fucking bullshit. It's absolutely who they are. There was some part of them that figured it was okay via whatever justification they tried to use before saying it. That it was okay to say or do whatever shitty thing they just did, right? Yeah. There was some part of their brain that thought, yeah, people might get upset by this, but fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. For anybody that believes in free will, then you have to, you have to acknowledge that these people made a choice to say these things, that they thought about it and then decided, fuck it. I'm going to do it. And to say then later, after people become upset that that's not who you are, is bullshit. The, the, the same mental gymnastics that people use to believe in a God are the same mental gymnastics they'll use to say that the violence they're committing or the acts or the words they're using are justifiable. Yeah. And even if you, even if you like me, reject the, the idea that there is such a thing as free will, then you have to understand that that is absolutely who you are that if you have a determinist view and I'm not saying predetermined, but you just have a view that you are a product of your life experiences, brain chemistry and situations, your social media, then, then, then you have to acknowledge that you still, that's who you are and you can become better. You can be a better person, but denying the fact that it was who you are means that you're never able to improve as a person. I've said some stuff in my past that was flat out fucking awful, despicable, reprehensible shit when I was young and stupid. Doesn't mean that I I can't change. We all have. Yeah. But I mean, there are things that I said in my youth that my nearly 47 year old self would have been shocked ever could have come out of my mouth, but I know they did. And it, 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 it makes me physically sick and it is, is, disgusting to me that i could have said those things in the past but i know that i did and that's something that i can only pledge to do better for the rest of my life you know i i have to acknowledge that i did say those and then work to be a better person and that's what all of these other people need to do also but trying to run from it and say that that's not who i am is fucking bullshit Mm -hmm. and that's but that's the good news right is that we can be horrified by the things we've said in the past because we recognize that we don't want to be associated with them anymore. We don't want to be those people. And maybe that's what they actually mean is that, you know, they, they say that that's not who they are. What they mean is that's not who they want to be. That's not who they aspire to be. It's not who they will be going forward, which are all good things. But then they need to change their wording around that to stop saying 
that that's not who you are because that is who you are or who you were. Just work to do better. That's why I hate friends that make fun of the woke culture. Oh, yeah. I was like, it's not a bad thing to be woke. Yeah. No, I hate the the term, but it's I'm like, it's the realization of understanding more about other people besides yourself on the difficulties they go through or you using a certain term, how much that might affect someone else and realizing, oh, shit, I didn't realize it had that much of a negative connotation to it towards you or it really caused you this much trouble. I will change for the better. Yeah, it's an awakening and realization that you have lived a lot of your life being completely ignorant about the plight of others and waking up to that fact and, you know, standing face to face with it and saying, "Okay, well, I need to make some changes to make the world a better place. That's what being woke is. And I don't understand why people can say that that's a bad thing. Oh, you're just you're just one of those woke people. Yeah, fucking a right. I am. I'm I'm a person who wants to make the world a better place rather than just living my life blithely being ignorant about the plight of everybody else who does who isn't as fortunate as me i want to work to improve things rather than ignoring them yeah about about five years ago probably i was helping make some videos for the uh uh, transgender community here in utah Mm -hmm. i knew nothing about it Mm -hmm. not that i was ignorant towards the transgender community but like i knew you i know you exist but that's it Mm -hmm. like i didn't know very many transgender people I didn't know much about them. So me doing those interviews, I got to learn way more and realize, oh shit, like not necessarily changing my mindset, but adapting my mindset to be able to know, oh, this is shit you go through. Like this is a common thread throughout all of your stories Mm -hmm. and just being more aware of it. Uh, An awareness I previously hadn't had to realize, oh shit, society's fucked up towards you. Yeah. Yeah, being awoken to their life circumstances and experiences. Yeah, and that for me involves sitting down and interviewing them and getting to talk to them. And I told the person who was ahead of that project before I started with them being like, I honestly know nothing about the transgender community. Mm -hmm. And they were like, okay, we're fine with that. And I'm like, but I want to learn. I want to help you with this because I think there's a need. And when I started helping them out, I was like, yeah, there's definitely a need. I didn't know this shit. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. 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 Same here. I mean, I, I, I have, I've had friends in the LGBTQ community for a long, 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 long time, but you know, the trans portion of the LGBTQ community is much smaller than the lesbian or gay part of that community. And so I knew a couple trans people, but I didn't know a whole lot about, you know, the, the persecution that they go through all of the time. How, how awful yeah. their lives can be made because of other people. Or not even just the, the persecution that like is apparent, like even going to their doctor, mm-hmm. like that kind of persecution where it was just hard to actually get medical attention. I was like, holy shit. I didn't really like figure a doctor would help you, but no, like people like getting turned away at medical offices. And I'm like, oh shit, I didn't realize that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's. Fuck. There, there's a lot of shit that I've learned over just even the past, you know, three or four years. And yeah. I've, I've tried to be very inclusive and supportive of every bit or every aspect of the, of the quilt bag rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, we've, we've learned a lot. We've, we've had, you know, trans people on the show. We've had trans yeah. representatives on the show. Uh, and it's all just an effort to become more woke and more understanding well, of what other aware. people go through. Yeah. Which should be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that was all tangential to the thing that we were, <laughs> that we were doing in this segment. And people know how this show goes and listening to this guy. Yeah. Yeah. We went off on a little tangent. Let's get back to the video of this guy. Then I kept you from doing it. Uh, so what kept you from doing it? Let's back this up a little bit here. Um, I thought about killing people and, uh, then I kept you from doing it. Uh, so I think like survival instinct really took over and I figured that, okay, that's always an option here, but like I've got, you know, 52 bullets and, uh, it would be damn amazing if I could even perform a reload in this situation. So I probably shoot a couple and then they're going to take the gun away from me and kill me. Uh, cause that would provide them with the justification to really, you know, to kill me. I, I saw at some point people started saying don't kill him and, and they pulled you out of the crowd and looked like you could barely hold your head up at that point. Being being faced with the decision with the decision of do I start killing people? Yeah. Wow. That that had to have been fucking terrifying. And, oh, that and this is all going oh, on yeah. while he's actively getting the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. Being beaten with his own baton. And then, you know, stripping his gear off and trying to take his gun away and people in the crowd saying, kill him with his own gun. Jesus Christ. Don't kill him. And, and they pulled you out of the crowd and looked like you could barely hold your head up at that point. Can yeah. I mean, I was fighting with everything I had. Like, uh, and so. Hmm. I mean, my thoughts on, so there were, at one point, I decided, like, maybe I can appeal to somebody's humanity uh, in this crowd. And I, <laughs> which, which I think is a, a generous way of, of thinking about a lot of these people who are there, like, that they have any humanity left, that there's I, I, some portion of them that will be redeemable. I think that's why he has that pause. Yeah. He's really thinking like, how do I phrase this? Yeah. Like in the most civil way possible. <laughs> yeah. Because he doesn't hold back on a lot of other points. Like he's, I, I'm glad that, uh, he felt it was okay to, to liberally sprinkle the word fuck throughout this interview. Yeah. And just watching him, the way he's talking, the way he's, He's looking down the whole time. It makes me think that while he's telling this, he's reliving it while he's telling it. Oh yeah. And then, and then trying to decide how to put it in the most relatable terms, I guess. Yeah. Like you can tell he's not just making a story up. Like yeah. you can tell he's really, he's like being it, very deliberate. He's, reliving, it. he's yeah. reliving the moment. Yeah. Somebody's humanity uh, in this crowd. And I said, you know, I have kids and I felt like, you know, maybe if I could in some way, you know, reason with someone that I could get, you know, some type of assistance and give people time, you know, my guys time to get to me and get me the hell out of there. Um, fortunately, I, I think that it, it worked. Um, some people did 
you know, start to protect me. They kind of encircled me and, and tried to prevent people from assaulting me. Um, I do remember that. Um, you know, and then it, it did allow time for Jimmy Albright, uh, my partner, to get to me and get me the hell out of there. Um, how, did you, how, it, did you, how did you get out of there? Jimmy got to me. To like take you back into Tor- the towards the doorway. Yeah, but you know, my thoughts are like to those people, um, you know, the ones in the crowd that you know somehow appealed to their better angels and you know offered me some assistance. Uh, thank you, but fuck you for being there. Yes, absolutely. Every fucking bit of that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for deciding finally that you may be going too far and responding to the call to his call to your humanity to help him. But also fuck you for being there in the first place. If because if they didn't show up there in the first place to not not necessarily take part in the acts that happened, but just being a part of it. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you for being there and putting him in this situation in the first place. Yeah. Those people better never scream blue lives matter again. Hey, this is Caitlin. And if you sign your kids up for youth sports, make sure to volunteer to coach. Thanks. And you're listening to the godless revolution. Are you into spiritual epiphany and poop? Then come down to Deck 5. It's like Woodstock down there, but Catholic. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! And we're back. After after <laughs> after a confusing bit where uh, we became abortionists and yep, and we aborted that last bit, <laughs> we started closing or we started recording a closing segment and aborted it after I don't know fifteen minutes I, or so because <laughs> I just got really really confused about what was going on in the world around me. See, at confusing people when I have one thing going on in my brain and you don't know the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a, it was a challenge of of my own design because I just got really confused. <laughs> okay, more or less that you were right, but you couldn't. We couldn't figure out. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I think we should just put it in the past and forget it ever happened. Except okay. now everybody's gonna kind of know. <laughs> We have a story here about this dummy who is a Trump supporter. I think those two those two things go hand in hand. Like if you're if you're a Trump supporter, chances are likely you're a dummy. Uh, this comes to us from Right Wing Watch. It's uh, the title of the story is Johnny Enlow says the college football national championship game is prophetic confirmation Trump will remain president. This was written by Kyle Kyle Mantilla. On January 15th, it says Johnny Enlow, a right-wing pastor and QAnon conspiracy theorist. So, you know, we all know he's he's a mental giant. Appeared on <laughs> appeared on the Elijah Streams YouTube channel Thursday, where he declared that the outcome of the college football national championship game was a prophetic sign that Donald Trump will remain in office, despite the fact that Trump's term is set to end in less than a week. 
Enloe claims to have found a message from God hidden in the final score of Monday's national championship game between Alabama and Ohio State, which Alabama won by a score of 52 to 40. I'm sorry, 52 to 24. And, and there apparently is some confusion from Enloe or he views the score as a prophecy and let's uh, see what he says about it. So Monday, the national championship game is playing, and it's again Alabama Crimson Tide against the Ohio State Buckeyes. I told Elizabeth as the game begins, I said, I'm expecting the Crimson Tide to win this, and I'm expecting there to be a 45 in there because the 45 would refer to President Trump. The The 45th president. Yeah, okay, so he's expecting 45, so he's – He's self-priming himself to see something here. Like if he had, if he had told himself that he is expecting to see uh, the number twenty-one, then he would be looking for specific instances where that fits into what he already wants to have happen. Yeah, and he might be able to break it down by quarters. Be like, oh, in the second corner, there's twenty-one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going. I mean, he could play with the numbers any way that he wants to. You know, it, it's something that people do a lot, especially conspiracy minded people is they start seeing quote unquote signs everywhere of what they want to believe. Right. And they'll shoehorn in whatever the fuck is going on into what they want to be the narrative going forward. And so they primed themselves to find these things. And then lo and behold, when they see something that in the regular course of their life would be mundane and unremarkable, they've primed themselves to notice this and make it, uh, you know, make a mental note that, oh, yes, this is confirming what I thought was going to happen. People do that with all kinds of shit all the time. But, yeah, conspiracy theorists true. take it to a whole nother level. I'm sorry, what were you saying? It doesn't make it true or yeah. anything prophetic. Yeah. The 45th president, and also, again, back to the numbers, Isaiah 45 was about Cyrus, and there was the Cyrus anointing that has been on President Trump that he is not finished at all. He would not, we could not consider him having had the Cyrus anointing if he were done now. <laughs> the Cyrus anointing. So yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the Cyrus anointing is or why he thinks that was conferred on Donald Trump. And honestly, I don't fucking care. Because it's not worth my time to look up some weird tangential trail that this fucker's talking about for this for a Cyrus anointing to figure like I don't I don't there's there's a limited amount of time that I want to devote in my life to following <laughs> what idiots say and trying to find out exactly where they're picking up these bits of things, these, these disparate bits of information to weave together into a conspiratorial narrative. Like I, that doesn't really, that's not my bag, man. Yeah. That's, that's not something yeah. I'm all that interested in. I, I just try to look it up and I must not know how to spell Cyrus. So I got was a, how to, how to disable Siri. It would be serious. Yeah. It would be C Y R U S. Would be Cyrus, I'm sure, yeah. or I would admit, I would guess based on Greek spelling of things, and the yeah. name Cyrus would have been Greek from the original writings. But there's this- too much to read through here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in another oh. episode we can figure out what the fuck so, a Cyrus anointing is, or God, why he thinks Trump has one. What's that? So he's saying that he it's so Cyrus is God's instrument. So he's saying that Trump is God's instrument. Ah. Uh. 
Well, he's Trump is definitely a tool. So maybe, yeah. maybe that's what he's talking about. It's a, it's a biblical way of calling Trump a tool. Awesome. Here it says, uh, thus Cyrus, thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him, to uh, strip kings of their robes, to open doors before him, and to the gates shall not be closed. Hmm. Awesome, except for when he yeah. loses an election and is impeached twice and hopefully convicted. <laughs> I would say him being banned from Twitter is definitely doors being closed. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Because he's just now called to get into the really serious part mm-hmm. of the Cyrus anointing. And so the game uh, finished and it was a landslide. It was a landslide for the Crimson Tide and they won it. And, and that was, that was exciting uh, all on its own. But I was even looking, I said, Lord, you said 45, it was 52 to 24. But what was amazing, I looked on the screen and they, they listed Ohio state score first. And then they listed the, the score of Alabama crimson tide and then actually, when I looked in the morning on, I think, ESPN, they did it the same way. Seems unusual. Usually you put the team with the higher score first and the other score afterwards. That's so that's where we that's where my confusion came in in the bit that we aborted before and had to yeah. and had to restart the segment. Maybe the way it's reported in the news, but not the way it shows up on the scoreboard. Yeah. Yeah. A scoreboard. Always, always, always lists the home team last. Like mm-hmm. that's that's not just a football thing. That's in basically all sports. The home team is listed last. And, you know, regardless of whether or not these teams were playing on their home field, there is still a home team designate. And that home team is the team that has the better record throughout the year. In this case, that was Alabama. They had a 13-0 record throughout the year. They were the first seed, so they are the home team. Regardless of where they play the game, they're the designated home team for that game. So that when their scores appear on a scoreboard, the home team is listed last, which would be Alabama. Being an Alabama fan, looking at Alabama sites, he saw Alabama won. 52 to 24, but it's not the way it shows up on the scoreboard. Yeah. Yeah. So he, so there's a difference between reporting of a subject and the actual scoreboard that displays the scores throughout the game. And so, yeah, if, if, you know, a reporter is reporting about the score of a game, oftentimes they'll say so-and-so won by a score of this and that. And so the higher score is going to be reflected first because that's who they're talking about won the event. But this is this is going to be weird now that uh, he now sees the score as twenty four fifty two. Oh, what? Let's see what he says. But the way that looks and the way it came out, I'll put this up right now. It was a twenty four. Can you see that? Okay, Steve. Yeah, you see that. You see that. Twenty four fifty two, and then right in the middle, that this fucking guy that he's talking to says, "Wow." about this dumb fuck holding up a sign with the scores, and then he has circled 4-5, and this guy says, wow, like, that's amazing. You wrote a, you drew a circle around a part of the score. 
Steve Schultz, whenever we see him talking to these fucks, is surprised by a lot. <laughs> Doesn't take much to surprise him. <laughs> he's easily, <laughs> he's very easily entertained and surprised and yeah. bewildered. You can do the thumb removing trick and you'd be like, wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's that's fun. <laughs> it's kind of covert a 45. So it's a 45 with a two on either side. It's kind of covert a 45. So first, his omnipotent God who could and should have communicated whatever the fuck he wanted to say absolutely clearly so that everybody could see it. You wouldn't need to be a fucking sixth level mage code breaker in order to figure out what the fuck he's trying to say through a fucking football game for Christ's sake. He circles four dash five as part of the score and figures that that must be an obvious reference to Donald Trump when it could have easily been an obvious reference to the number negative one. If we're subtracting five from four, like he has to, he has to jump through fucking hoops to justify to this it. stupid fucking point he's making about a goddamn score that he thinks God is directly communicating to him. This is conspiratorial fucking nonsense. Oh, yeah. Dumb people bother me a lot. <laughs> Let's see what else he says. And I went, oh, I kind of went that even as I was watching it. There is wow. Two wow. terms. 45 was not put in there for one term. He was put in there for two terms. It's a confirmation on either side. There's a two on either side. Oh, so so two, one of them would be representing the terms he thinks Donald Trump is going to serve. What is the other two? Is that the number of impeachments he has? It's repeating that he's going to do two terms. Uh, yeah. So, well, yeah, I mean, the, the two, the first two is two terms. What's the other two? He could have added that to the other two and said he's going to serve four terms. <laughs> I'm guessing it's got to be two terms and two impeachments. That's that's what that's about. Uh, per per term. <laughs> two terms with two impeachments each. Yeah, probably. What twenty two means as well. We won't. You know, we don't. We don't want to dizzy people with numbers. Forty five. Was- <laughs> Numbers make me so dizzy. <laughs> Basic math and, and addition and subtraction. and He thinks he's going to confuse all of their listeners with just basic presentation of numbers on a screen. That, that doesn't speak very well about how he views his listening audience. <sighs> Jesus Christ, let's see was there right in the middle. And so that was another confirmation. The Lord saying, I'm putting Trump in a second term and it's not later. It's back to back. It's right now. It's part of the crimson tide that's coming in. (laughs) I I missed that part. The first time I watched it, the crimson tide, the red tide. Oh, Jesus. So, so uh, we, we had, we had speculated or thought maybe that, you know, I, I had wondered aloud, and I can't remember if it was during this this segment that will be released to the public or the prior one that we aborted. <laughs> but I was I was wondering if maybe he could justify this, or or I had said, you know, how will he justify his thoughts here that Donald Trump will serve a second term after Joe Biden is sworn into office and begins conducting regular business from yeah. the Oval? 
You know, what, how will this guy justify that? Will he, will he then pivot and say, oh no, what I meant was that Donald Trump is going to serve two terms, but they won't be consecutive. He'll, you know, Biden will serve out his term and then Trump will be reelected for a second term. Or it's Satan, because he can probably do some weird math and that equals 666. <laughs> yeah, but he just confirmed to us that no, he he doesn't think Donald Trump will serve two terms non-consecutively. It's that Donald Trump will just continue being president. He's going to serve his two terms back to back. So I, I really wonder what he's going to say when that doesn't happen, when that doesn't turn out to be the case. And how will that destroy his worldview? How will he justify what he's just fucking said here? How is it going to be in a thousand years when Trump is worshipped as a deity? It's going to happen. These uh, fucks. God, he's going to go down in history as, if not, if, if not the absolute worst we have president we have ever had, he will definitely go down as one as one of the worst, as among the worst, as being toward the top of the pile of shitheads that have that have been the worst presidents in our history. I hope. Well, he's leaving with one of the lowest approval records yeah. ever for any president. Yeah, he's he's never gotten above 50% approval. He's never broken halfway. And these people who love and support him think that it's inconceivable that he would have lost the election when he couldn't get more than more than 49% of of support from the entire fucking country for the four fucking years he served as president. I would do the math on it, but I don't want to get dizzy. <laughs> oh, just, just the 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 mental hoops that people try to jump through to justify shit that they want to be true, rejecting objective facts and reality in favor of what they want to be true, and how high and far they have to jump to get shit to align with what they believe. It's it's astounding to me how much energy is put into stupid shit like this. Just how much time they'll spend on trying to justify some of the dumb shit that they want to believe. Thinking about numbers all day long. Ah, it's it's fun. Uh so moving past all of that, we wanted to start a new segment on the show. I'm not entirely sure what we're going to call it and Happy I haven't end. made any audio introduction for it or anything yet eventually hopefully one day i will but i wanted to talk about a weird or interesting or cool fact each episode and that will be something that we'll be that we will be doing going forward on each episode and we figure that we'll probably finish out each episode with an interesting fun or weird fact this week i think we should just call this the did you know segment. did you know that's a good, that's good. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. Uh, but did you know, Ryan, that horses cannot vomit? I did not know that. Tis true or mostly true. I thought it was oh. really weird. Like, I I didn't know this was a thing. Apparently, there are a bunch of different species of animals that cannot vomit. Some of them, like, it's physically impossible for them to vomit. Others, it's very, very difficult for them to vomit. Horses being among the latter. That they can vomit? I have heard, I have heard that, like, ducks can't fart, which is why if you give them Alka-Seltzer, they blow up. I hear that that will be something that perhaps we should explore as a, as a future topic. For oh, you didn't do that as a 
know that one as a kid? For the did you know? They'll blow up. Yeah. So, so uh, for this one, um, uh, this is something that Tracy just told me one day. She's a font of weird trivia facts, um, uh. w- which is sometimes really fun and sometimes just a little bizarre. Some of the knowledge that she has managed to hold in her head for whatever reason. Uh, but yeah, it's true. Horses. Um, so, so the way a horse's digestive system works, it's that it's designed uh, or that it is designed. It, of course, it's not really designed. Holy shit. I'm just totally fucking up the, the premiere of this new segment. Anyway, uh, the way that a horse's digestive system is set up makes it nearly impossible for them to throw up, even if they're in extreme intestinal distress. Uh, in the rare occurrence that a horse does vomit, it's almost always fatal, although there are a few instances where a horse has reached a full recovery after the unlikely event that they vomit in the first place. And it's kind of interesting how that happens. So the question so so the question is, you know, most horse people know that horses can't throw up. And that's how Tracy knew this is because she grew up around horses, her family had horses and she would ride them and stuff and it was fun. Uh, so the question, Oh, go ahead. Being a non-horse person, I would ask why, why can they not throw up? It's just weird. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, so the question breaks down into two parts. Why is it physically impossible or at least very difficult for horses to vomit? And why should that be? So vomiting, uh, this comes to us from equusmagazine.com. Uh, says that vomiting Ooh, or emesis is a complete, physiological event that requires a closely coordinated sequence of reflexive motions. When you're going to throw up, you draw a deep breath, your vocal cords close, your larynx rises and the soft palate shifts to close off your airways. Then your diaphragm contracts downward, which loosens pressure on the lower esophagus and the sphincter where it enters the stomach. Next, the next, the muscles of the abdominal wall contract spasmodically, which puts sudden pressure on the stomach. With the upward doors open, the contents have a clear exit pathway. And then all of these separate actions happen involuntarily, of course, controlled by distinct vomiting centers in the brain. Horses, however, have a number of key physiological differences to ensure that any food they ingest takes only a one-way trip. For example, the muscles of the equine lower esophageal sphincter are much stronger than in other animals, making it nearly impossible to open that valve under backward pressure from the stomach. Also, the equine esophagus joins the stomach at a much lower angle than in many animals. So when the stomach is distended, as with gas, it presses against the valve in such a way that holds it even more tightly closed. And located deep within the rib cage, the equine stomach cannot be readily squeezed by the abdominal muscles. Finally, horses have a weak vomiting reflex. In other words, the neural pathways that control the activ- that activity in other animals are poorly developed in horses if they exist at all. So all that said, however, horses have occasionally vomited, but it's possible that some of these cases may actually have been choke. The, quote, vomited material may have been ejected from a blockage in the esophagus rather than in the stomach. It's also possible that under certain circumstances, a horse that is severely ill could regurgitate, which is different than vomiting. Vomiting is a reflexive muscular action that expels material under great pressure, whereas regurgitation is passive. Uh, 
If the esophageal muscles go flaccid, ingested food may ooze from the nose and mouth, which is no fun at all. I do like how it says vomiting is uh, under pressure because I've always been amazed that when I vomit on how fast that shit comes out. <laughs> Some projectile vomiting. <laughs> I have a lot of fun projectile vomiting stories. <laughs> I've got a couple too. I mean, they're, they weren't pleasant at the time, but yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll talk about some of them in the future. Uh, maybe they could even become part of our new segment. Uh, <laughs> art stories listed. We got vomit stories listed now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. We'll, we'll start compiling a list. E, and we would also like to know what our, fans and listeners of the show think is weird or interesting. Like what's a little fun fact that you dear listener know that you think a lot of other people don't know. Maybe it's something about your job, something you do, a hobby you have, something you learned as just a throwaway gee whiz. That's kind of interesting and fun to know. I'm going to break that out at parties every now and then. If you have any fact like that, that you would like to share with the world through the show, send it to us. You can send it to us via text or email or you know, send it to us on Facebook. However, you, all of our contact information is listed in the show notes for this episode and all episodes. Um, but yeah, if you want to share a fact with the rest of the world, let us know and we'll make that a part of this segment and give you credit for it. I think this, this will be a fun little thing going forward. It's also a way to end the episode off with not something dreary. Yeah. Yeah. It's more fun. To end on a more happy note. And with that, it is time to end this episode. We've gone a bit over time because reasons we'll try to, we'll try to keep this down to under an hour in the future, but I want to make sure that we thank all of our Patreon supporters before we do leave this episode. That would be Alan Firth, Christy Kalbach, Stephen Andrus, two skeptical chaps, Vanessa, don't be a Richard, Ollie Olson, John McCullough, Tiffany Hudson, Sinead Duffy, Utah outcasts, Wesley Aaron, Andrew Vodapich, Jeremy Goodson. Let them eat coffee. Jeff Peterson. Corey Ebert. Megan Mitchell. Freethinker215. Tim Jacobson. Janet Uter. Savita Kuna. Taylor Grin. Purple Dragon. Nico Gonzalez. Chad Pryor. And Itchy and Scratchy want you to please support the Secular Coalition for America and Camp Quest. Woohoo! Thank you all very, very much. If you would like to become a Patreon supporter, you can do so very easily by going to Godless Revolution slash, I'm sorry, by going to patreon.com slash Godless Revolution. It's not so easy when I work to confuse you every fucking time I go to say it these days. Jesus. Uh, where you can pledge as little as $1 per episode. And that gets you fun things like the episode before, you know, you get an early release of the episode before the world at large, before you release the public version of the episode. Uh, we release extended outtakes, extended episodes, early episodes, bonus episodes, all of that stuff happens for our Patreon supporters who we really, really appreciate a whole lot for helping us keep the show going and helping us pay the bills to keep the lights on, buy equipment and pay for hosting and all of that fun stuff. It's been a wild ride. My birthday is in four days, so by the time you all hear this, I will probably be uh, 47 instead of 46, and that's a fun thing. <laughs> and so until next time, crucify conspiracy theorists because it's just really fucking frustrating. And if you also want to say, 
fuck you to the people that showed up at the Capitol. Give us a like. Review us. Well, now I'm very confused. Now I am so confused that I... And now I'm really, really, really confused. Now I'm even more confused. I think, <laughs> I think you're confused, which is feeding into making me more confused. Like, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. Ohio was the home team because the way ESPN was reporting it was 2452. I'm still so confused. So now I'm wondering where we got so off track and how to fix it. (laughs) Uh, I feel like I missed something somewhere. Yeah, I get, I mean, I get all of that. I just, I don't, I don't know how we got so far off track. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to, so first I'm trying to figure out what you were saying. Well, so, yeah, so I'm trying to figure out what you were saying, what he was saying, and then how to salvage this segment. I got so confused, and then I started questioning, like, okay, am I just totally wrong here? I still don't, yeah, let's start this over. (laughs) Sorry. I got to start that over. Hang on. You forget to hit record? I did. <laughs> I forgot. Well, I, I hit record on in on the board, but not in Audacity. And I wanted to make sure that I've got both of them going. Well, we got a good outtake somewhere. <laughs>